Welcome to another episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. And this week, I'll be joined by the editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. We're going to discuss the expectations for the Dallas Cowboys this season. We'll talk about Dak Prescott's health, the state of the NFC East, and whether or not the Cowboys are a legitimate Super Bowl contender in their second season under Mike McCarthy. RJ runs the definitive Cowboys blog site, bloggingtheboys.com. He also does a daily Blogging the Boys podcast with the latest news and notes on the team. His content is a great resource for Cowboys fans. As always, though, before we get started with today's episode, please give us an auto-download on your podcast platform. You get future episodes automatically if you do that. Left Coast Sports is basically everywhere. Apple Podcasts, the free iHeartRadio app. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen on Spotify. You can leave reviews as well. We always appreciate those. And while you're here and listening, please give me a follow on Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Believe it or not, it's been a quarter century since the Cowboys last made a Super Bowl run. How close are they to their next run? Here's my conversation with R.J. Ochoa. All right, R.J., are there any concerns with Dak Prescott's health heading into 2021 after suffering that horrific ankle injury last October? Related to the 2020 injury, no. His ankle totally seems fine. Um, Obviously, this muscle strain has been something that popped up over the last couple of weeks, and um, it doesn't look like he's playing in the preseason game on Saturday, which would have been the only game he would have seen uh, if this had never even happened. But um, I'd say the only concern is that the Cowboys have kind of moved the goalposts a little bit. Uh, when it first happened, it was he's going to miss a couple of days and it was, he's going to miss a week. They were scrimmaging against the Los Angeles Rams shortly after that. So it was going to hold him through that. And it's just kind of been these incremental things that they've just kind of continually added. And so I think that that has kind of added to the, the pressure that people feel about it or the panic. And so you do have some people, I think, that are getting kind of some cabin fever with it and, and getting antsy. But uh, but he has been throwing, granted, on a pitch count and in a light sense in practice. So um, it's not like that hasn't happened, like they've been completely holding him back 100%. And um, he's obviously, you know, the star of Hard Knocks. And so he has a lot of attention on him. And so um, that in itself kind of brings with it some some added uh, perception that things are or aren't going right. But all does seem well, all things considered right now. Is it a lot to ask? to go from not playing since last October to not playing in the preseason to start week one on that Thursday in Tampa? I think so. I mean, certainly in a vacuum. And I mean, I don't know that I feel, I feel or view the preseason as being valuable for Dak. I mean, he's entering a sixth year in the NFL. It's not like he, you know, is a young player that doesn't know what he's doing, but, um, but I do think there's something to that, you know, game speed and, and feeling normal. And I don't know that Dak, uh, is going to doubt himself. But something I've thought a lot about in the, the week since the muscle strain is in his press conference when he did get paid, he talked about how he realizes the financial commitment that the Cowboys have made to him with his new contract and how he's he's got to be cognizant of that. And I'm fascinated to see how that plays itself out. I don't know if it means, you know, if it's third and eight and Dak's scrambling for a first down and he picks up six yards, is 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 he going to reach for those two extra yards or is he going to duck out of bounds in the interest of health? That's the kind of thing that I'm always interested to see with players, whatever injury they're coming back from. Um, and so I think that right now the, they've just kind of gotten some tunnel vision on getting ready for week one. And I think that, you know, the preseason is, is kind of a, a trial and error experiment in a lot of ways. And so I do think the first month of the season, first two, three weeks are, are kind of some, some like a crash course for players getting back into like tackling shape and things like that. And so I fully trust that Dak will be ready and, and kind of tried and true and ready to go. But I don't think I don't just because I don't think it's it's sustainable or likely. I don't think he'll have the statistical performances he had when he was hurt, and that will lead people to wonder, 
you know, oh man, he's not throwing for 350 yards a game. What happened? Is he regressing, et cetera? But that's just not the kind of game the Cowboys want to play anymore. So I think there's a number of factors involved there, but ultimately I think he's probably ready, but the Cowboys, you can make an argument that they're, they're, you know, two of their three toughest games are their first two weeks of the season, which is also going to add to this whole conversation. Are you surprised somewhat that they haven't gone out to sign a veteran backup quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, you know, we, uh, we joke about it, which is uh, why I'm, I'm kind of laughing. You know, the, the way that Dak even became the Cowboys quarterback, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, five years ago, the Cowboys were coming off of the 2015 season where they went 4-12, and 12, and they went 1-11 and 11 in games without Tony Romo. Um, and so, you know, you would have thought that that offseason they would have added somebody. You know, it was, you know, not apples to apples. Romo was definitely, I don't know if I would say injury prone, but he was definitely more prone to injury then than Dak certainly is now, especially dealing with back injuries and things like that. But um, they didn't sign anybody that year in 2016. They had the fourth overall pick, and they, they drafted Zeke Elliott. They missed on Paxton Lynch. They missed on Connor Cook, and they had to settle for Dak Prescott. But their backup quarterback at the time that they went into training camp with was actually their current offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. And Kellen broke his ankle during training camp, which elevated Dak to QB2 status, then a fourth-round rookie, obviously. And then Tony gets hurt in the preseason, and, and the rest is kind of where we're at now. And so I would have thought that that lesson would have been enough to have convinced them that they need a, a fair and competent backup quarterback. But even – and even that next year in 2017, Dak's primary backup was at the time a rookie undrafted free agent in Cooper Rush, who hung around and was his backup um, all the way through the end of the Jason Garrett era. And that's why I really applauded what Mike McCarthy did last year in, in signing Andy Dalton, because, you know, you, I think if your quarterback goes down the way Dak did, I think your season's over. But if you need a guy to play a two, three game stretch, I do think Andy could have done that for the Cowboys last year. Uh, and certainly is capable of that even now, though the expectation for him in Chicago is a little bit different. But so all that being said, I mean, the Cowboys just ran it back. They have Garrett Gilbert, who they did sign in the middle of last season. He played well against Pittsburgh last year, uh, but then Andy Dalton returned. And they also have brought back Cooper Rush and they've got Ben DiNucci, who they drafted in the seventh round last year. So um, there is a sense of logic to if that goes down, the season's over. But you know, that's if he goes down for good. If he goes down for just a, a month, you need that guy. And I don't think Eric Gilbert is that guy. He has separated himself from the rest of the field in terms of the competition in Dallas. But um, And I don't know any team that has a, a backup quarterback that I feel supremely great about. But you would have thought the Cowboys would have invested more at the very least. If Dak is able to stay healthy, what are your expectations for the offense in 2021? You know, it's such an interesting question. I think that they will be – I think they will be among the most efficient offenses in the NFL. And that that's the, the word I, I'm choosing to use because I think people expect them to, you know, be number one in total yards and, and be number one in, in different capacities like that. But again, that's not what they want to play. They don't want to be the team that they were during the first four weeks of last season. And so they want to be more balanced. The defense should be better. And I think, uh, you know, I would say my favorite stat, but it's a really depressing stat. Uh, the, the, the four games that Dak played entirely last year, the Cowboys offense started a possession on the positive side of the 50 yard line twice. Uh, once was after an interception against the Rams and the other was after the uh, watermelon onside kick that the Cowboys had against Atlanta. And so part of the reason why they were able to, you know, be this like high performing offense from a statistical standpoint was because every offensive drive had to go 77 yards, 80 yards, you know, 82 yards, whatever. And to their credit, they did it a lot, but 
Uh, that just isn't sustainable. And so I think that their defenses will force shorter fields, whether by punts or turnovers. I think that they'll run the ball. So I think that they will be incredibly efficient. I think they'll probably still be a top five offense in terms of generic calculations, but um, I, I don't see any reason why they can't be among the most efficient offenses in the NFL. Do you think it was an obvious choice to go with Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker who didn't play in 2020 because of the pandemic, but had you know an unbelievable collegiate career at Penn State? What made him the obvious choice for the Cowboys, in your opinion? Uh, picks eight and nine. Uh, the Carolina Panthers took J.C. Horn and the Denver Broncos took Patrick Sertan. And the Cowboys were all in on one of those two corners. And so that was truly we were doing a live show at Blogging the Boys. Um, you know, and when the moment it happened, it was kind of like, OK, what should we do? And like just every single comment, trade back, trade back, trade back, because that was your like. I always forget if, if it's DEFCON. I think DEFCON 1 is the most dangerous. I always want to say it's 5. Uh, but that was true. DEFCON 1, smash the glass, whatever. And so um, a lot of people were disappointed with that pick just because the, the resource of, you know, it became the 12th overall pick because of the trade back with Philly. But the resource of even a top 12 pick being spent on a linebacker is not exactly a great utilization of resources in terms of cost efficiency in the NFL. And so people were bummed for a long time. Micah has... I think really lived up to the hype so far. And he has also allowed for the Cowboys to effectively move on from Leighton Vanish and Jalen Smith. Obviously they're still part of the team, but that is a huge step in the right direction for the Cowboys because they've been tied to them for the last two years, uh, despite, you know, underperforming performances. And so um, he has become the right pick, but, you know, given the circumstances they were in, I do think that they acted smoothly to be able to pick up a third round pick and an underrated element of that, I'm higher on the Eagles personally than the Giants, but I get it if people believe in the Giants offense and their, their personnel. If the Cowboys hadn't traded with the Eagles, Devontae Smith would have gone to New York with the 11th overall pick. So they effectively chose which NFC East team they wanted Devontae Smith to end up on. And so it wasn't exactly two birds, one stone, but it was an interesting move to say the least. Will Micah have to be eased in at all because he didn't play in 2020 and he went something like 500 days between games or will they be comfortable getting him some reps in the preseason? He'll be ready to rock and roll come week one. I, I thought he would uh, just because that would make sense to your point, but uh, he's not only playing, he's not only active. He at times is calling the defensive place. I mean, he's really been impressive in every capacity. And so um, he said all the right things. They were mild character. I wouldn't say mild. There were character concerns about him obviously as well, but in every sense he has, uh, he has been an ideal first round pick and, and been the guy that, looks to be the future face and future kind of galvanizing force of the defense. Sell me on the Cowboys defense that was historically bad last year. Obviously they add Micah Parsons. How else will they, where else will they be better? It's not an easy sell to be honest. Um, But I mean, this sounds like a joke, but I mean, they just, they won't be that bad because it's, it's statistically difficult to be that bad. There generally is, if you are at one end of a spectrum, um, some regression to the mean, and so, I, I mean, I think that's a play here, but I think from a personnel standpoint, they obviously added Micah Parsons. Um, their, their secondary is still weak because they did miss out on, on either of the top two corners. Um, but Dan Quinn has arrived and really kind of changed a lot of things. He's brought in some, some taller corners, some players who have some more size and some more athleticism in that capacity. The Cowboys drafted Nishan Wright in the third round, uh, who fits his profile. And I think, you know, the X factor of the Cowboys defense is Randy Gregory, who's somebody that, um, a lot of NFL fans may or may not be aware of the Cowboys did spend their second round draft pick on him in 2015. 
Um, and since then, it's just been, um, you know, uh, he's suspended. He's not suspended. He's allowed to be around the team. He's not allowed to be around the team uh, kind of situation almost by a month by month basis. And so uh, this offseason rules changed and violations changed and things like that um, with respect to what led to Randy Gregory not being allowed to be around his team. And so this is his first full offseason in the year 2021 with the Cowboys since his rookie year in 2015. Um, he has flashed at times that he has played, uh, but it's been an inordinately long time since he's played an entire full season. And so that's a fair concern. And so um, I think if he provides any sense of an edge rush opposite of DeMarcus Lawrence, I, I think that that has to help the defense overall. And again, you have more stable play at the linebacker position than Micah Parsons. And so all that with, again, the, the notion that it would be very difficult to be that bad two years in a row. Um, I think leads to them being, I don't think they're a top 10 defense. I don't know that they're even a top, you know, 12 or 14 defense, but they'll be somewhere in the neck of the woods between 16 and 20. And I coupled with the offense they had and their overall structure of their team. I think that's into to do some damage. So anything short of what, in your opinion, would be a disappointment for the Cowboys this season? Man, um, I, I think that is such a context, you know, specific question and, and you know, because Mike McCarthy was hired specifically because this team was viewed to be you know uh, that away a head coach away this was a, this is a team with a lot of talent certainly a lot of offensive talent and now you've got a lot of new talent on the defensive side of the ball and so you know if if I you know a lot, a lot of Cowboys fans will hear what I'm about to say as an answer and be like that's so lame the expectation to be to win the Super Bowl but truly I think the answer is an NFC title game appearance I mean this, this team, people talk about the Super Bowl drought. The NFC title game appearance drought is the same. They haven't appeared in an NFC championship game since 1995. Uh, the only teams that have gone that long without even an appearance are the Detroit Lions and Washington football team. And so it is, um, it is historic. I mean, you think about at the time, you know, the Cowboys had, had been to eight Super Bowls of the 30 that were played. They'd won five of them. We've almost played 30 since then, and they haven't even been to a conference championship game. And so that, that has been the step that they were so close to. And, and especially in recent memory, you know, 2007 wasn't that recent, but that was a really talented Cowboys team that was the number one overall seed and they fell short of the title game. In 2014, Des caught it and all that jazz, but uh, they fell short of the NFC title game. In 2016, they fell short, you know, against uh, an incredible third and 20 play between Aaron Rodgers and Jared Cook. Um, in 2018, you know, they, they just kind of got beat by the Rams. And so they've been close. They've knocked at the door. And incidentally, Mike McCarthy has been the guy who kind of shut it on them twice uh, in the last 15 or so years. But um, I think they have to get there just because that is the uncharted territory for them. And, you know, that could happen and then they could lose that game. And a lot of Cowboys fans would still call the season a disappointment. But that would be measurable growth, uh, which I think is what this team is in a position where they have to ultimately experience. So what happens if they fall short of that? Um, you know, who would be accountable if this is a team that gets in but loses in a wild card round or, or doesn't get in? Who takes the fall? You know, and I think that's also context driven because, I mean, how do they lose the wild card round? Is it is it a Des Cotted type loss? You know, do they get blown out? Like, obviously, all that matters. But generally speaking, you know, I think the general manager would be at fault, but that's, you know, somebody who's not going to fire himself. Um, and I think people would, would point to Mike McCarthy. And but I, I do think, you know, I've, I've been less critical. At least I've come around to be less critical on Mike McCarthy um, over the offseason. I think you know, everybody has obviously dealt with the challenges that the world has presented us over the last year and a half. Um, but something that I think is lost with Mike McCarthy is he he took an entire year off and literally 
planned how he would do things when he got back. I mean, he spent, and he was very vocal about that plan, which has sort of led to um, some criticism of his, but I mean, that plan was thrown out the window, like on day six, uh, obviously when the pandemic first hit. And so he, he had to adjust. The Cowboys obviously lost Dak Prescott last year. They, uh, of between their two starting tackles, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, they lost 30 of 32 possible games last year. They lost Leighton Vanderish for spells last year. And I, you know, in, in talking about this subject, I, I always say that I hate this, but, and that's true. Um, I hate to, to blend this into football, like it, it matters, but, um, but the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy specifically had an incredibly emotional, Mike McCarthy, obviously a longtime Green Bay Packers head coach, Ted Thompson passed away, Kevin Green passed away. The Cowboys themselves were dealt an enormous tragedy um, just ahead of Thanksgiving. And so a lot of different factors, some more important than others. Obviously, the, the grand scheme of life matters more than football. But um, just, just one of those things where I feel like they, they never had a chance to come up and breathe. And so I think they finally got that over the course of the offseason. And so I think this is the true kind of first litmus test we are getting at Mike, or of Mike McCarthy, given that, you know, injuries are going to happen and, and whatnot, and you have to adjust to those. But if, if they lost the wild card round, I think, again, given that it is kind of his first real crack at it, I, I think that he would still be safe. I think they would have to implode, like utterly implode for him to be fired. And there would have to be drama. There would have to be, you know, reports out of the locker room and things like that. I, I really think it would take something seismic for him to be moved on from by the team. All right, let's fast forward to the Thursday night opener, Dallas at Tampa Bay. What would be the number one key for the Cowboys to, to find a way to be in that game or, or win it in Tampa opening night? I think it's to generate turnovers. And, you know, Tom Brady is obviously an incredibly intellectual quarterback, the greatest in that capacity and, and in every capacity of all time. And so, you know, I think we all generally trust the Cowboys offense is going to find a way to score, you know, between 21 and 28 points, you know, plus minus three or whatever. And I think that that's enough, you know, more often than not in the NFL. And I think that the Cowboys defense just has to, has to swing drives. You have to have 14 point swings and, and they've been on the wrong end of that for not just last season for a very long time. And I think that they've, they've got to find a way to do that. And even if it's just forcing three and outs, dominating time of possession, you know, because the Cowboys have, have just been incredibly finicky with how they've been bad. Kind of like the, the possession thing I told you about with the first four games last year. I mean, that's, that's, it's actually difficult to believe that it was that bad, especially, you know, uh, living in it and, and then looking back on it. And so I think they just have to steal possessions and I think they have to steal games. And I think, you know, a lot of Cowboys fans think that this team is going to be a playoff team and they're budgeting a loss for the, you know, against the Buccaneers or even some are budgeting losses against Tampa and the chargers in weeks one and two, and still think this team is a playoff team. And some of that has to do with the, the low quality of the division around them, but I, I, you know, I, I think that teams steal games on a season. And I think when you steal games, games you're not supposed to win, games you were not favored in, that's the difference between if you are the four seed wild card, being that in the two seed, being that in the one seed that has the buy. And it's about piling all those things you can steal because you're going to you're going to lose games you were supposed to win, too. And so you have to end up on the positive side of that overall margin. RJ, great insight. It's crazy to think we're just a couple of weeks away. We appreciate it. Thanks for doing it today. Of course. Anytime. Really appreciate you having me. Again, if you're a fan of the Cowboys, RJ is a must-follow on Twitter. He's at RJ Ochoa. That's at RJ Ochoa. And you got to bookmark his site as well, bloggingtheboys.com. That's bloggingtheboys.com. Also, this reminder, don't miss the best high school football games from this past season with Classic Game Time. Friday's on your view. That's Classic Game Time. This summer, only on your view. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and auto-download future episodes 
on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. Please leave a review as well. And again, if you wouldn't mind following me on Twitter at John Schaefer, that's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. For previous episodes or more information about Left Coast Sports, you can visit yourview.com. That's Y-U-R-V-I-E-W.com. As always, we thank you for listening, and we'll catch up again next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.